Hey, we're back with another episode of The Enlightened Agent. Uh, Jason Keck, CEO of Broker Buddha, good to see you again. And we just wrapped up uh, really an interesting interview with Christina Kelly from Gregory and Appel out in Indianapolis. Uh, lots of uh, good insight, and uh, she was not afraid to be refreshingly candid, I would say. Yeah, Christina, you know, ever since I met her, she's been very direct, very honest, uh, very opinionated, and she was kind enough to share uh, some 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 great stories with us. Some of the things that she thinks uh, the industry needs to change, which I thought was awesome, uh, and some of her experiences uh, implementing Salesforce within the agency. So, um, really, really great episode today. Well, what I really loved was she has opinions, but she was also quite willing to share uh, where they've fallen short at times or what things have been harder than they imagined. Exactly. Yeah. Well, with that, let's get uh, right to our conversation uh, with Christina Kelly. Welcome to The Enlightened Agent, the podcast that brings you conversations with insurance professionals and industry leaders. I'm Dean Gemmel, and I'm joined again by Broker Buddha CEO, Jason Keck. Hey there, Jason. What's up, Dean? Looks like you're in your uh, scrappy startup office again during the pandemic. Always. Live here. Love it. All right. Well, let's introduce our guest. She's the Chief Operating Officer at Indianapolis-based Gregory & Appel. Christina Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, great to great to have you here, Christina. Let me ask. Uh, let's start with what you do. Uh, most days, we all make certain assumptions when we hear the title of chief operate chief operating officer. Uh, but tell me what your role involves on most days at Gregory and Appel. Yeah, uh, well, during the pandemic, it's definitely changed a little bit. But I think for the majority of the day, I spend time looking at. Uh, just what my service staff is up to, workload balancing, looking at new opportunities to help improve their work. Um, I clean kitchens, I empty the dishwasher. (laughs) Then I look at budgets and make sure that we're not spending more money than we're bringing in and looking at, you know, how do we, how do we save money, especially uh, from last year to this year going forward. Then I save plants around the office and I clean out the refrigerators in addition to the dishwashers. So it's really a mixed bag from a day to day basis. <laughs> it's as most of us assume, chief operating officer means everything. Yeah. They're always like, go into operations, it'll be fun. You are, and you're yeah. loving it. What did, uh, how did things change last year? I'm curious, what, what was, uh, what did you guys have to do? What did you guys, how did well, you adjust? We had to pivot on really a dime, right? Um, So we got notification that the city was shutting down on March 11th um, when the World Health Organization said, guys, this is serious. So on Friday, we thought, hey, we should probably stress test our system because we were not a remote working environment at all. And we sent half of our staff home on Thursday, tried to test the system. And then on Friday afternoon, we basically let everyone know just you're not coming back on Monday. Let's see how this goes. And it over the weekend, we we hustled internally trying to figure out what's the best way to support our colleagues in a remote environment that they're not used to. And then we came in the next week, just a few of us, our IT manager, myself, and we reconfigured the office completely because we thought this thing was going to be over in April. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> it's incredible how naive we all were, right? You know, mid-April, we're all coming back and there is this like new thing called social distancing. So how do we accommodate for that? So I had to pick up a whole different skill set along with our CEO and our IT manager and our CFO and our human resources manager just to figure out how would we keep this boat floating um, going forward. So we, we learned about social distancing, understanding mask requirements, understanding how to, how to respond to our employees in a remote environment, trying to make sure that they continued to stay engaged and productive, came up with all sorts of fun things to do different metrics to to track them by and it just uh, i want to know about that what do you what's what because that's interesting right like that's a new that's a new thing right you're trying to measure performance and people are remote i've heard a little, i've heard something about people you know starting to now look at their it logs to see like logins and emails sent and things like that what where, where, where did you guys go with that i'm curious well, we've never been a clipboard organization, and I think that Andrew, myself, and the rest of our, our senior leadership staff, we really pride ourselves on empowering all of our colleagues and saying, you know, we, we hired you as adults. We expect you to act like an adult throughout the day, so we're not going to monitor every minute of your day, and really a lot of those, those logs are unreliable because you can be logged into VPN all day long. That doesn't mean you're working, right? Yep. You can be on Skype all day long and just every once in every 15 minutes, walk by <laughs> and you're green. Ta -da. <laughs> so we really, we, we ask clients, um, you know, how, how's it going out there? Are you getting feedback and response from your account manager and from your producer at a satisfactory level? And I think we really had to, reflect and say, are we asking our clients the right questions in this moment? Because we're not, we weren't the only ones dealing with the pandemic. Our clients were too. So to ask them, hey, how are we doing right now? Are we doing all right? It just seemed really ingenuous. So we just asked the question, how are you doing? Hmm. What can we do to help? And then we sort of turned that around and said, is that a measure of effectiveness for our staff as well? How are you doing? How can I help you? What do you need today? And our our colleagues have always been really forthcoming with feedback on that front. Good. <laughs> That's what you want. <laughs> doesn't mean you can doesn't mean you can and address them all, but at least you know yeah. where the where yeah. the pain is. <laughs> so they, they were quite honest in letting us know that they felt stressed, they felt anxious, they needed more resources at home. So we configured reconfigured our tech stack to say. You, you don't just have a laptop. We're gonna figure out how to get you two monitors. We're gonna figure out how to get you a better Wi-Fi connection. If we need to give you a jetpack, we'll give you a jetpack. Yep. So I think us getting out on the forefront of that allowed our colleagues to be the best that they could be in that moment. Um, as the summer wore on and we got into the fall, you know, we started to really see that there was fatigue. People weren't taking their PTO. Yep. Yeah, there's nothing to do with it. <laughs> you yeah, couldn't right. go anywhere. Yeah. Like, I'm take a vacation in my kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we, we tried to encourage our colleagues, you need to take time off. And our HR manager, Jamie, she was absolutely brilliant in this time in compiling resources to say, you know, we have an EAP program, take advantage of that. Call me if you need me. And and even though the open door was virtual, it was wide open. Like, good. if you need groceries, let's help you with that. If you need childcare, let's help you with that. 
because everybody just we're all in it together this, yeah. this sucked for everyone and still does and so and everybody's circumstances were different right so some people might have needed childcare help and some people might have needed you know uh, landscaping help who knows what they need but so, you know all of a sudden you're at home and you're seeing all the things that need to be fixed in your house it's like ah <laughs> That's, so, that's why I decided to come to the office in the first right. state. Well, here. yeah, I mean, you you made all those changes, and now it looks like you guys are back. Congratulations, you get to adjust again. <laughs> so, so I think just empowering our colleagues to to let us know how they were doing helped on the efficiency front. We got very little complaints from our clients. I think our overall retention was actually up last year over the year before, and I and that's our staff because. They, they started understanding the same thing. Like we're all in this together. I need to reach out and ask the question, how are you doing? Nice. If we talk silver linings, do you think there's anything you're going to do better after the pandemic because of it? Are there things you think that will, that you'll, you'll improve as an agency? We got rid of our dress code. Oh, there you go. That's a big improvement. <laughs> it's a small rock, but it, I think it'll make a difference. So we've been talking quite a bit about and we just recently released a video to our employees and saying it's time to come back and we're hoping that i think our last cohort in the office gets vaccinated the end of april beginning of may so we're going to slowly transition back we were i think i said this at the beginning we've never been a work from home company it just it, it was so strange right work from home why why would we let them do that and now all of a sudden we're like, we're back in the office. Why would we want to do that? So we're changing our policy on that. Um, for the first time ever, we've said we will we will start recruiting fully remote Good. talent, I, whatever state you live in. Good. If that you open, yeah, policy. that opens a talent pool big time for you, right? I mean, good for you. Yeah, we're 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 thinking through that quite a bit, right? The hybrid, the uh, you know, remote first strategy. Um, the challenge that that I see with that is that if you're going to have people remote, and then we listen to a, some people who've been remote from day one, um, talk to a couple of people in that world, and they they basically said if you're if you have anybody remote, you have to treat everybody as remote, otherwise they feel like they're not part of the mothership, and so um, that starts to create an interesting dynamic where you you know you have some people you know we have two thirds of the people in the office and a third are remote, and you kind of um, you have to find a way that everybody feels equal and that's, that, that'll be a, a new challenge for you for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it opened up a, a completely different set of things to think about. How do you onboard a fully remote employee? How do you keep that person engaged? Yep. You have them fly in once a quarter and then there's a stranger walking around the office. <laughs> okay. And you're right. And it's, we've, we've had a cast of, of, um, our colleagues that come in every single day the way that I do. And we have a different relationship than I now have with employees that are fully remote. Can I continue that? That was born out of the need in the moment. Right? There's, there's definitely something special about the remote employee coming in. When I was, uh, I was at Tumblr, we had an LA office, uh, did a lot of advertising there. And, you know, once a quarter, uh, some, you know, one of the senior people from that office would, would come to New York for a week. And it was like, it was exciting. I mean, it was fun. You know, in the beginning, there'll be strangers, but if you're meeting with them and talking to them every day, like those are going to be, 
you know, there's going to be interesting uh, dynamics that I think you'll really enjoy. So however it ends up. I think we, through 2020 and 2021, I think we hired six, six or seven employees. And it's, it's been interesting to, to say the least when, when now that people are starting to come back to the office, they're like, who's that? (laughs) Yeah. You're like you've been on a Zoom call. Well, I only know you from here up. I didn't recognize the rest. You're, tall, of you. you're taller than I thought you were. <laughs> We've had a few of those. So we're we're changing that. That's that's a, a pretty significant shift for us culturally. We're moving to two days in the office, three days work from home. Uh, we dropped our dress code. It's dress for your day. Yep. You know, um, we we're still not unlocking the office again. So we have. We've always had a locked floor because we have an employee benefits division where there is a lot of sensitive data floating around that floor. But when the pandemic hit, we locked all floors except for the common floor that we share with another tenant. And we're not changing that. The other thing I think that's been a pretty big shift for us is we we used to have a front desk, you know, a receptionist. Yeah. Right. You don't need it if you don't have anybody coming in the office. She, she does a lot more right. than just sit at the front desk. So we've changed her role and I think it's opened up some opportunities. And I think the other thing that has shifted for us as a company is that we're looking at non-traditional insurance roles inside the office. So we created a learning and development um, talent acquisition department. We created two new roles for that. We've expanded our IT staff that is going to help us with our Salesforce implementation to just really get a little bit more creative. And instead of always just hiring someone from the outside as we've looked at our own colleagues and said, what what makes you passionate about yeah. this? So now that I know that, do I have a need that I can fit to that passion or do I create something? And, and that's been a pretty, it's that's been exciting for us to do because it's made us look differently at you know it used to be you have an agency and you have producers and you have an account managers you have a long-suffering accounting department that has to do with all of the mistakes and that was really it right yeah and we just about five or six seven now years ago we formalized the hr function we had this sort of shadowy id (laughs) These right. guys, you know, that yep. they <laughs> kept your laptops working, they kept your desktops running. Yeah, yeah. they were always in a closet somewhere working and, you know, redoing network cables and nobody ever really knew what they did. And, and we've really shifted to getting the entire organization to understand that they're a business partner. They're here to support you. They're, yeah. they're actually helping you develop things. You know, our IT department is right in the throes of making life easier for everyone. And that for an agency, I think is a pretty significant mind shift. When, and I, when I walked in three, almost four years ago now, Andrew hired me really just to, to say, look at what the client experience is here and how do we improve it? Yeah. Hey, you know, it's uh, you guys have really been treading water during this pandemic, hardly doing anything. It's like. <laughs> um, but you, you mentioned that you came in relatively recently to insurance. Uh, and it's obvious, you know, one of the things you were hired for was to bring a fresh perspective. Um, so if, if if you look at insurance uh, right now, what what are uh, what are some things that you think need to change? 
<laughs> Start with me. A three-part episode. <laughs> So. You could go three or yeah, start, start, start at the top, work your way down. We'll cut, we'll cut you off when we run out of time. Carriers, right? <laughs> if you want me to stop and start at the top, carriers. Um, I think the way that they interact with insurance, with brokers and with agencies has to change. Hmm. So one of, it, it's always been as a producer, you have a good relationship with a particular underwriter, financial yeah. underwriter, property, and you have a good relationship with their field rep. Account managers typically have that same relationship more with the field rep because they used to come in and walk around and hand out food and that was great. And you, you had your go-to underwriter, but that channel is changing because I think the carriers too, the volume of the transactional relationship that's coming across to them. And there's such turnover now. And, and not just on the carrier side, it's on our side too, that those relationships, they're not as tight knit and as deep maybe as they used to be. Because mm -hmm. they're, you know, it used to be with Hartford, now they're with Hanover, it used to be with Hanover now. But you have to restart all of that because it's a different product line. It's a different company culture for them that they're getting to be a part of. And it's just how do, how they're interacting with us. In some cases, it's we want to have the conversations with you. It's great because we need to tell the story, right? I have this client that has this program that needs this, that, and the other thing, and you're going to decline it. But let me tell you the story because you need the context. That part is always going to have to be there. But yeah. a lot of this business has turned transactional, right? It's just like just push it through. It's a vanilla risk. Let's. It's a property. It's got. It's an auto. Like let's just just give me the yes. Just how much do you want? Yep. Right. And so those transactions require a different mechanism for us yep. to get them done. Yep. And if a, every agency looks at their book and says that that's a pretty that's over 50 percent of what I do. Why are you making that channel impossible to navigate? Hmm. Come up with a different way. Direct carrier submission. That's the one thing that I know you guys are looking at, too. Yep. That would be a game changer for agencies. I mean, it would be tremendous for us because we would be able to carve out so many other minutes to then pivot to that client and say, tell me your story. Let me talk to you about your risk program. Let me tell you why this is important. Let me help you understand how this coverage is going to work when you need to call it. Love it. And because we're you know over here doing data entry, we, we don't have time to connect with our clients in that way. And that's, that is where you build those relationships. That's where you build the business is when they start talking about you and saying, I don't really know anything about general liability coverage, but you know what? I got a guy or I, I have this, I have a really great contact at GNA. She's amazing. And she will sit down with you and you will understand, you will want to work in insurance when she's done talking to you because it's exciting and it's, it, that's what we want because that that's really where this creativity and the need of insurance should live yep. is in how do I develop a program that's meaningful yep. instead of hold on yep. I got I got 10 more pages to fill out <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I mention all of my carrier friends when we post this podcast on LinkedIn <laughs> Tag, 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 you know, <laughs> minute number 1243. Listen to Christina. 
change it. So yep. that's that's one of the the big things that and I and it's it's coming. I can yep. see it, right? Yeah, there are carriers with APIs out there. Some some of them taking longer to get there than others, and starting to work with companies like us. So yes, yeah. it's coming. Data that needs to change. We Data's need better access to the stuff that we don't have. We we have a shed load of data that we sit on a mountain of it and we know nothing to do with it because our agency management system doesn't help you with that. Thank you. So <laughs> it store it stores it for you <laughs> in a closet. <laughs> it's locked. Totally to- I was not going to use the words evil empire, but I just did. So <laughs> And you have to, you have to pay to get the key. <laughs> it's like a, and it usually has a comma in it, but not yeah. where you expect that comma to be. Right. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Having access, either figuring out some sort of cost share um, with our carriers or with other entities such as yours to figure out all of this like publicly available data, how do I scrape it? How do I get it? How do I make it easier for me to finish my process? Because when I'm sitting down with an insured, the last thing I want to ask them and say, so when did you replace that roof? Right. Was it in 2007 or 2008? Because that's going to make a really big difference. Right. Or, you know, how many square feet do you think are in that unused storage space? If those things are publicly available someplace else, help us figure out how to scrape that over into our applications, over into our system, do some analysis on it. It creates a much needier submission, right? The more information you can give to your underwriter, they're going to top of the pile or bottom of the pile. So Yeah, one of the questions I have around that is whether that's an, you know, people have asked us, hey, can you use third-party data on the platform and does it make sense? And um, the, the thing I'm still trying to understand there is that is that a carrier's responsibility to pull that? Is that the agent's responsibility to pull that? Like, why uh, does the agent need it? Are you, do, are you doing the underwriter a favor by giving it to them? Does it actually help you make decisions? Like, what's how is that helping other than you're not annoying the client with the questions? You're actually doing sort of pre-underwriting on your end before you're sending things in? Yes. And... I, in operations, also have selfish designs on data like that. I want to know what our demographics are. Where where are we hitting, right? right. East side. Okay. West side. Boomtown. North right. side. Let's go there. I mean, right. you know, for- so Customer segmentation allows yeah. you to, to segment your base in a certain way and analyze where what's doing well, what's not doing well. Yeah. Yep. Quit parking up that tree. It's your. <laughs> right. We talk about having 135 years of experience in this space, plus however many people are sitting in our chairs at any given time. But we're asking the same question over and over again. Yeah. Yep. We, there are better things to spend our time on. So data, we, we have to figure out what's a good balance, right? Does, is this the carrier's responsibility? Is it my responsibility? The better uh, underwriting information I give to a carrier, the easier that submission is going to be, the easier the renewal is going to be, so forth and so on. And then I think the biggest thing that has to change is is how we treat our service staff. I mean, I I have, I like to talk about GNA as a think tank. So I have these account managers that 
have been doing this, they've seen almost everything walk across their desk. They're brilliant. They, they will look at a piece of new business and say, this is where this needs to go. These are the other things that I have. And I, I only get 10% of that out of every single day. And because? I want more because they don't have time. They just don't have the time because they're mired in these systems that require so many keystrokes. Yeah. So it all hangs together, right? Carrier, better carrier interaction, better way to access data, and then a better way to process that data. Yeah. I, you know, I once was accused very early on of trying to turn everybody into robots. <laughs> <laughs> because I was talking about, you know, insure tech, it's the way to go. This is so amazing. And then people are like, you're just trying to turn us into robots. And I'm like, guess what? You're oh. a robot today. Right. Because you, you, if you don't want to use your critical thinking skills, you're, you're just doing robotic, repeatable right. things. And then I, I, I dug the hole even deeper <laughs> and said, I can hire anyone to do your job. Ah. I know better. I, know better now. I, I regretted those words the moment they left my mouth. And but there is a certain component of work that doesn't require totally. you to think. So let me take that off your plate. Let me get a robot to do that. Let me have machine learning do that. Let me have pre-fillable forms do that. Let me have drop downs. Let me have radio buttons. Let me have you know check marks. That then focus again on that relationship piece. That's what insurance is, is the relationship piece. So they got over it after I called them all robots and they decided not to tar and feather me and they've let me go <laughs> forward with some of my crazy ideas. One of which was is to replace our agency management system. And it's something that's long overdue. And I we have, um, although we were recently put into the small business category, uh, by who? Uh, who knows? <laughs> Whose job is categorizing people? Come on. That's not fair. Know. It was an epic fail. Uh, so we decided that our agency may have outgrown the functionality of the system. And we can't continue with the philosophy of the more new business I write, I just keep adding warm bodies. Yeah. I have to feed those warm bodies. They require a lot from me on a daily basis. I can't just keep adding staff. I, I don't have enough room in my building today for them. So how, how do I change that? How do I get them from transactional processing data inputters to automating a lot of the information, making our clients the stewards of their own data involving them in the process other than just, I'm gonna send you a form I need for you to look at it, tell me what's wrong with it and then sign it. Yeah. And yeah. then you're gonna hear from me again in approximately 242 days when I need more information from you or sometime in between because I need more money because you told me that you had 10 more cars than you originally said you had and now all of a sudden I have to deliver bad news which is I want more money or even worse news, you've been non-renewed. <laughs> So, but, but that's the only time you'll ever hear from me. You're, you're never just going to hear from me to say, hey, I just read this article in the Indianapolis Business Journal about you expanding to another location. And that's really exciting. Congratulations on your success. How can we help you? Right. So that sounds like good customer service. Right. right? I mean, yeah, especially especially when you deliver it that way. Um, you're getting on renewed. You um 
you you talked about your IT team, kind of upgrading them. You talked about getting rid of your or moving on from your management system. Uh, you talked about Salesforce uh, as a platform. You know, we've had that conversation before. What you know, what's been your experience with Salesforce so far? Has it been everything you've expected? Has it been harder than you imagined? This is, you know, I think there's a lot of agents out there who are seriously thinking about doing this. They, I think they want to know. It is a magical unicorn. Wow. That's good to hear. That needs a lot of training. <laughs> <laughs> and the caveat. But so, you're a good trainer. Uh, yeah, we're, we're getting there. So it's not for the faint of heart. Um, that is my message of caution. But I think it's taken us more time um, than I than I would like to admit that it's taken. And yeah. but I have a really great. I have the pandemic as an excuse. <laughs> we got distracted. We got we got, we got yeah. We launch in twenty twenty because we were changing dress codes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it what has been great though it it has allowed my IT team, which is an amazing team, to get passionate about something other than network security and yeah. help tickets. It's allowed our account managers to think through, how do I wanna spend my day? And it's been a hard road to get there, but the minute that they see it, it's amazing. Yeah. Because it's like a playground. It's like, oh, yeah. look what I can do. I can do this. Oh, wait, and I can do that. All those things I've always wanted to do. I can do it now. I'm not, I'm not stuck. Well, still work, but you can do it. Except for when I start to call it a shiny pony. <laughs> so, but it, it, it really, we, we've had to get a few people invested in this journey to understand. Yep. It's a life. Every account has a life cycle. It goes through certain stages, right? There's the acquisition stage of it where producers out there looking for new business. Then it goes through this proposal stage. Then it goes through the bind issue and it lands into this in the service stage. And in the service stage, you're adding and subtracting things and you're, you're just making your client's life better and easier. And then it goes through this pre-renewal renewal stage. And then we land right back in the bind and issue and service stage. So if, if we can automate the connection between acquisition, proposing, binding and issuing and saying, every time that I move into the next step of this life cycle, what are the things that I need to do then? And I can build that in Salesforce because I can create automated workflows, I can create templated documents, I can create, um, you know, pre-fills. I can, if, it, if I have a producer that's out there chasing a piece of new business, when he first puts in that lead as an opportunity, he can say, well, I'm, I'm thinking about proposing these five lines of coverage for them. Drop down, click, click, click. Client says, you're amazing. I, I love this broker Buddha piece that you put on the front end of it for me with all of the forms. I, I want, to be with you. And so we, we say, bind it. It goes into the next step and a task list pops up for the account manager that says, here are the things that you have to do while you're binding. So it's almost a guided walkthrough that we can then also onboard new talent faster right. because we're training them as they're doing the work as well. And they're following not- the instructions. Yeah, they're not having to rely on their muscle memory and say, I, I have to add an activity, which 
depending on which activity I'm adding, I have to remember which screens I can skip, which ones I have to fill out. And then you get into this area of, I don't do this every single day, so I don't really know what I'm doing. And because I don't really know what I'm doing, suddenly I'm I'm in a country called ENO. Ah. <laughs> I don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. So all of those things, if I have a guided walkthrough, I can I can start to avoid some of those things. So that's been the really great thing about Salesforce. It has allowed us to build it like that. Love it. It's taken Love it. longer. Yeah, it's look, I mean, that's why they have an entire, uh, there's an entire business of Salesforce developers out there who, who, you know, there's some things the platform can do, there's configuration, there's some things that require engineers, they have a whole marketplace for third party apps. They've got, you know, the Zapier and MuleSoft connections to integrate things. So it's it's a, it's a beast. It's very powerful, uh, but it requires, you know, as you've learned, quite a lot of investment. So, um, so, so it's yeah. it's been great, and I've been getting the question from a few friends as to why change. And AMS does so much more than that. Why change? And because it's it's really necessary. It's really necessary for us to grow. What was what 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 was the hardest thing to let go of? What, what, what are people clamoring for that, that you either have to build yourself or, um, uh, you know, is there, are there things that people are like, Oh, we need to get to that next or that first or, um, evidences and download. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's, it's interesting because we only use download on the personal line side. Right. But even though everybody's still focused on commercial or heavily focused on commercial, you can't forget <laughs> all that business. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, you still do a lot of personal. It's not, it may and not it, be as much, but it's there. And it's interesting because we've really had to fight some mindsets there about mm -hmm. you're afraid of all of the extra work that you have to, because our personal line is highly transactional. We have, we have a large book of um, middle market business, which is great. And, but it's very transactional, right? And there's yeah. a lot of data that's required. So the download for us is we submit to the carrier and then download fills in the pieces in our AMS that we didn't capture. So the fear is if I don't have that, I have to do all of this data entry. And then I'm like, so what we're doing is we, we look at work. This is gonna translate really well on your podcast because I'm using my hands a lot. <laughs> Some people will watch on YouTube right. maybe. We have spikes where work happens today. And what we're trying to do with Salesforce is level out the spikes of work and put the work where it belongs. Sure. So it comes back to data. If I can scrape in as much data as I possibly can, I don't have to do the data entry on the back end. It's it comes to me. Right. And the you don't you don't need the download to get the data because you're getting it up front. So the download becomes less critical. So. But it's it's important and it's OK. And I recognize that. And I, I am famous at GNA for stepping into it all the time. And I've stepped into the download trap and it's OK. I, I get it. I recognize it. I own it. I I I have better wording now for it. So good. Then it's it's the evidences. And that really that's the toughest nut to crack to crack for us right now is how do we produce those? Because we produce them at a pretty significant scale. So again, we're out there in in our partner universe talking to people saying, well, is there something out there that might be easier for us to use? Yeah. Evidence is like certificates. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yep. And that's the biggest one is every every agent's favorite conversation certificates of insurance. So, yeah, I get it. Okay. Um, good. Well, that, uh, look, I mean, there's 
uh, it's a space we're watching closely, as you know. So interesting to get your your context on that. Um, one of the things that uh, I like to ask all of our guests on the podcast is is related a little bit to Broker Buddha and our brand and the concept of enlightenment. Um, enlightenment is the state of having knowledge of un- knowledge or understanding, and so. I'm curious uh, if there's any special knowledge that you or your team has that sets you apart, uh, or if there's any stories you have about uh, Gregory and Appel and how you guys have helped your clients or anybody special in the industry. I, you know, the point of this podcast is to really humanize the agents that that do the great work that you guys do and hear you know hear the stories that 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 you guys have done and the companies you've helped. So, are there any of those that you have that you could share with us? I think probably one of the areas where we are coming out ahead, perhaps in a thought leader position, is around cyber. Every, every, yeah, very, very hot topic right now. Yep. So we have a producer that's gone, and actually, it's a producer, Reed, if I can name names. You can name names. <laughs> Reed Putnam. And one of our uh, senior risk engineers, Charlie Vaught, they have gone through the Chubb program that is a pretty intensive boot camp and understanding exactly how these cyber risk programs need to be built and, and what to look out for, not just in the immediate term, but what's out on the horizon. So really they're creating some strategic thinkers there and it's been invaluable for us because we've been able to take that knowledge to our clients And some of our clients are, we have a pretty significant book in the hospital space and in higher education and is to talk to them about data security. And it's not just data security, it's network security. And and it's not just contracting with a third party. It's really understanding what the vulnerabilities are. And most of, in these larger organizations, if you have a really good CTO or a CIO in a position, they're they're right there with you. But if you drop down just a level there where you perhaps just have a network administrator who's very good at network security, but not really, what are all of the other things? That social engineering piece, the phishing, and you know the, the vulnerabilities that are you have in a company are your people, unfortunately. And especially now that we all move to a remote working environment, we have instead of just two uh, points of access, we have 147 because everybody's sitting at home and on the side streaming Netflix, and which is great. But it creates this, this whole different level of vulnerability. So how do we talk to our clients about security assessments and what do those mean today? And when your carrier that has written your cyber for five the last five years comes at you and says, Premiums going up by five hundred percent or non-renew. What, where, where <laughs> what? Do you, and how do, you, how do you explain that to a client? And how do you say, well, we can probably get that premium increase down to you know two hundred and eighty percent, but you're going to have to spend right a million plus dollars on security upgrades. And I, it's it's a hard sell all the way around. But I think what so your agents are advising. CIOs and IT managers on how to get um, how to how to upgrade their security. That's that's a pretty that's not a that's not a, a simple lift, right? I mean, especially I'm doubting your agents have 
you know, computer science degrees and, and, you know, networking background. Right. So that's, that's pretty extraordinary. Like I, I, you know, it brings me back to the very beginning where I said that we shifted our mindset and our IT department is a business partner. Yeah. Our producers come to my nice (laughs) and ask the questions right in this assessment. There are all these acronyms. What do they mean? What what is a preferred vendor in this space? Who can we bring to the table? Because Chris has talked to over 200 different vendors just in the last six months about this because we know that we're vulnerable and yeah. our we, the wall keeps getting higher and it keeps getting sicker and they're at us every single day. So it, it helps us. We can use ourselves as a case study and we're okay doing that. We're really transparent about here's some of the incidents that we've had. We've put together an outstanding tabletop exercise for our clients that we took ourselves through and failed miserably. <laughs> Right. Good, good to be up for, you know, it's a good, you got to eat your own dog food. You got to understand yeah. what you're selling. Yeah. We, so we, we sort of sat, sat and patted ourselves on the back and said, <laughs> we, we got this under control and Reed flipped the slide. And he said, by the way, this bad actor has been in your system for the last seven months. Right. And that's what our clients are facing today is that they all know there's a bad actor. They just don't know where it's coming from and how long they've been there. So if we can start having those conversations with our clients, then it's easier to say, and here's why your premium has increased. And here's why I'm changing carriers. And here's why we're endorsing this coverage in all sorts of different ways in order to add these layers of protection. We use ourselves as a case study to say, when we started working from home, this is yeah. I, I just my fingers for three solid months because we had to beef up our own infrastructure and everything was suddenly back ordered. And I yeah. every night I went to bed and I just said, please, please, please don't let it crash. Please, please, please don't let someone break in. And every day I was like, I got lucky. But I, it's I mean, good that you did the analysis, right? Because you went through the exercise on yourself, you identified the gaps, and then you've got a plan to address them. I mean, that's, you know, all the good security programs, you do regular assessments, you you start working through the issues. Every year, the assessments will probably change as the risks change. And so, you know, I, I don't think there's an expectation that you have them all solved on day one. But if you don't have a systematic a, a approach or a program in place to uh, identify the risks, evaluate how you're dealing with them, and and put a plan in place to to address them then it's just going to get worse and that you know it's going to be more cost either to insure yourself for it or more shot more cost to um to to put a solution in place so good for you guys so that's that's why i'm in operations so I, <laughs> <laughs> well, Christina, really million people <laughs> I'd say you made me uh, terrified about cybersecurity, but excited to if I could work at your firm. That seems like an exciting place, even if uh, the cybersecurity discussion has me completely unnerved. But um, uh, hey, I, I want to thank you uh, for your time today, and your your candor is refreshing. I'll say that, and I know Jason appreciates it as well. Well, thank you for the time. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on, Christina. Really enjoyed the conversation. Really looking forward to more of these, uh, maybe on another podcast one day or just frankly, you know, in person or, or on Zoom calls uh, as and when we get the opportunity. 
Well, we should invite you to join our pod- podcast with Andrew, um, The Growth Adventure. So I'll shamelessly right. plug that for us. It's kind of exciting. Yeah, so. The Growth Adventure, you can find the link to that on your website, right? Yep. Gregory and Appel. Yep. Count me in. I'd love to do it. Thank you. 